0: Hello, dudes, dudettes, duders, and everyone in between, and welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. I am Jesse Kester, and as you can tell from my voice, I'm still, still, still in a perpetual state of fighting that cold. I've been working around the clock and enjoying all the work very much. No complaints here, just the one from my throat that would like a little bit of rest. So I'm going to keep this intro short. Welcome to episode one in our four part series on improv comedy. Our first guest is one that I'm very excited about. Uh, he's, a, he's an improver, he's a stand up, he's a writer, and he's also a frequent guest on the news podcast, The Daily Zeitgeist, over on the How Stuff Works Network. I know him primarily through The Daily Zeitgeist, but I dare say I became a fan of his after hearing his appearances on that show. Uh, bumped into him backstage at UCB. And was was a little, uh, just, just, just a little starstruck, but, you know, kept it together. Chatted with him for a bit, invited him on, and he, he agreed to come on. And that's what you're going to hear now is the first of four in um, improv comedy. Uh, Ify Nwadiwe, thank you so much for coming on. And hey, you listeners of this program, you get your, your little batoots over to iTunes and, and give us a five-star review with a little bit of a comment on it. It'll, it'll help the ranking and it'll help keep the lights on in our studio, which is also my home. So I'm going to find ways to keep the lights on, even if you don't comment, but you get the, you get it, you get it. All right, guys, without further ado, I give to you, Ify Nwadiwe
1: drops. Morpheus is fighting Neo. Hello, oh, and welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. My name is Jesse Kester, and I am your host. Today, I am joined by the one, the only, the illustrious
2: Ify Wadiwe. Hey,
1: beautiful! All right, how are you doing? You good? Good, good, very good. Thank you for coming on. It really—it means a lot to me that to be sitting across the table from yeah, from, from you.
2: It was kind of serendipitous when you asked me because I didn't say this when you asked, but. after after I added you... Ooh.
1: There it is. Yeah. It happens on every show. Oh, man.
2: Yeah. Especially me. I'm very... I'm and Morpheus anti- is done
1: fighting, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes.
2: Um... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. When, uh, when I added you on Instagram, I went through and I saw the podcast and I was like, Oh, this is really cool. I'd like to do it. But like, I was like, I'll play it cool and wait to ask in a bit. And then you asked me
1: first. Oh, what did you think was going to happen? Where where did you think it was headed? (laughs) No, no, no. I'm, I'm feeling pretty lucky. Like it, I, I am a very big fan of The Daily Zeitgeist, just oh, so we're man. clear. I think the work you guys are doing over there is fantastic, oh, and I love so it when much. you show up on the show.
2: Yeah, it's all—it's such a fun and cathartic show because there, I, I think about this a lot. I feel like on most podcasts, you know, there's usually some other subject that you have to talk about, so you don't really get to really go down the rabbit hole that is wondering what the fuck is going on. And yeah. really kind of just having a game plan in your head and just talking about it. And in a weird way, I was thinking about it because, you know, I just turned 30 and you, I remember when's your birthday, February 26th.
1: That's not just turned 30. That's like half a year Oh yeah, I guess so.
2: (laughs) You're about to just just turn 31. (laughs) That's so true. In my head, I just turned 30, but yeah, no, it was like, I feel like when we were younger, I, I would look up at our parents and they're always, you know, Talking about politics and worried about the news, and I just didn't care. And now, you, you know, I I actually care, and I wonder if we are being ignited as voters, or if everyone's just growing up.
1: That's what I was thinking. I'm I'm always wondering, like, what did it feel like to be alive during Vietnam? Yeah, is this what it felt like every day? Yeah, and maybe it did. Like. You, you go back through the records. You watch the Wonder Years. <laughs> yeah. That's as much research as I'm willing to do on Vietnam. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's best and, to stop there.
1: This must might have been what it felt like back then. Yeah, Podcast let's take is. it back. I want to know more about Nigeria. Have you been there?
2: So yeah, I went to Nigeria. Wait, once. let's back
1: up for our, <laughs> our listeners. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about you, and then we'll right. get into my specific questions. Can you give give us the Hold on. We actually have a segment called five and five where I ask you five specific direct questions okay. um, that, that give our, our listeners a brief introduction to who you are that I completely forgot about because we were already into it. So I'm going to ask you five questions. You have one minute for each question. OK. Um, and then you'll hear little beeps that tell you your time is up. Are we good? Yeah. Yeah. Number one. Where did you grow up and how did that inform your adulthood?
2: Oh, man. So I grew up in Compton, California. And it's funny because my friends from Downey like to tease me because uh, technically my formative years spent a lot of time in Downey, but I didn't officially move to Downey until ninth grade. Uh, I'd say, I'm actually, ninth or tenth grade. So... Then senior year, I moved to Long Beach, so I only spent like two years in Downey. But uh, everyone knows it gets on my nerves to say it's from Downey because I do not like the city. Whereas like Compton has so much culture, but also I like it because it's cool now. It wasn't cool before. I used to say that I was from Downey and omit Compton because everyone would have a perception of who you are when you're a black dude from Compton so but I feel like because of that it makes me feel more down and I feel way more connected to YG and Kendrick Lamar and especially at the oh does that Uh, mean that we're done
1: yep now I'm going to pause it I'm going to tell you uh, that might be your experience but as a a white boy growing up in rural Pennsylvania Compton had very much cultural cachet (laughs) Uh, next question. What is the must engage media, the book, the album, the movie that everybody should experience before they die? Ooh, Oh, that's
2: a that's a good one, because now it's just a lot of thoughts rushing and flowing because there's so many medias. But first, I'll say The Big Lebowski, because okay. I think it informs a lot of me, mostly because when I joined Cherry Spitz, they might basically first adult improv team. They said, watch the big Lebowski and you'll get our humor. And I feel like that was the first step in understanding just how diverse and interesting comedy can be instead of just, cause I grew up on a lot of like mad TV and, uh, Comic View, I never really watched SNL. So like, you know, kind of, I don't want to like shit on the other comedy by calling this sophisticated comedy, but I'm going to do it anyway. Sophisticated comedies like that kind of blew my mind, Um, especially Comic View. That was sophisticated comedy. I'll retract that.
1: I I think it's it's fair to say that The Big Lebowski is a little higher brow than your average SNL sketch. (laughs) That's not you're not pushing the envelope with that (laughs) claim. Question number three. What is your greatest source of joy?
2: Oh man, my daughter. Uh so yeah, I have a daughter. She's 2 uh and it it's to me it's crazy because you hear when you hear dads talk about uh their kids. I know it's corny. I I've I've been that person who's like that's so corny, but it is when you're experiencing it so wild because you get to think that like, yeah, no pieces of my DNA went inside of my wife and we use science to create this human. And that is a good breather when you know the everything that all the shit we deal with on a day to day when you think about that kind of I hate to call it miracle because it's science but when you that science experiment that now is starting to form thoughts and a personality it's kind of it's a genuine beautiful thing and seeing her happy is such a pure happiness that has no baggage it's beautiful to watch
1: I've got follow-up questions on that, but I can't ask them now. What gets under your skin?
2: Oh, man, Uh, lots of things. So I'm one of those guys who is like, you know what my pet peeve is? And I say it a million times. But if I had to say top-tier... tourist driving in LA. I feel like people don't know in LA, you have to drive aggressively and get the fuck out the way. If you're not driving fast,
1: get out. February, March. That was me. I apologize. Yeah,
2: it's all right. You got with the program and now you're in. Uh And lots of times it is like there's so many, but because like if an aggressive driver almost hits me, I'm mad. But I'm like, all right, at least you're going somewhere and you're getting out my way. Whereas if you're just in my way, cause you're slow, it's just crazy. I think also a thing that uh, gets on my nerves is LA hate. I'm an LA native so obviously I have love for LA but every idea that people have of LA comes from a lot of transplants like people are like LA people are so fake but 9 times out of 10 you didn't meet an LA person. You met a person living in LA and you've never went south of the 10.
1: Man you come hard when you come Last question, which I always forget. Give me a little second. I don't want to eat into your time. What is the last question? Oh yes, what is the 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 most tired question in the universe? What's your advice for people who are trying to get a start in comedy?
2: Oh, actually, uh, I don't. I I you know being on podcasts, I get this a lot, yep, and yep. I have like my canned one because it, in a way, learned, worked for me. Remember, I kind of started from a podcast in a way. Uh, just do it. Just start doing it. Just. Get to doing it because the one thing you want to find out with comedy as soon as possible is whether you love it or not, because there can be so much time wasted trying to, you know, get good at it that you miss the fact that you are enjoy doing it or not enjoy doing it. If you don't enjoy doing it. Stop doing it because it doesn't get easier. Comedy is such a fickle beast. You will do great ones sometimes, and then you'll have dry spells, and then you'll be writing for a show, and then that writing job will end. You're always going to be in a hustle mode, and mm-hmm. you can't let it get to your head.
1: Love the hike, not the view at the top. Yep. All right. You made it through five of five. Hey, now, now let's slow things down and get to actually <laughs> know. You. That is why we put the advice thing at the top and limit it to one minute. Cause I know it's such a, yeah. So it's always going to come up, but I don't want to avoid it because yeah. people are coming to this program. Like the, the, the idea is that it's, it's kind of the boots on the street and yeah. we want to hear from them it, Mark Marin's got the, the yeah. upper edge, the one yeah, percent yeah. covered. We want like the Yeah, we're the street team. We're the bottom 10. <laughs> we're the street team for the company's yeah. universe. Just to just to get an idea of what's actually happening, what it actually feels like to work and to get a start in Los Angeles. Oh yeah. Because it feels very different than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> um but let's let's get to know you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know you through that there's the there's the, the six minute clip from the Burbank uh, flappers, and then yeah, there's yeah. the 10 minute clip from the uh, step up to the stage um, or welcome to coming, the stage, coming to the stage, coming to the stage. Yeah. That's what it was. Um, and I listened to both of those, and that's 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 my two time introduction to who you are. Yeah, yeah, have you workshopped that more? Do you want oh, to do those oh, yeah. those five minutes? Oh, yeah, again? yeah. You, you
2: need me who got the stage. Yeah, those, those that bit has kind of now been. Gone. It's been released.
1: When do you retire as a comedian? We put it
2: on an album. We put it on wax. So I had my album come out, the Community College Dropout. It came out last November. So it's almost going to be a year anniversary. I want to do some vinyl presses for it. You know, just to celebrate, especially because a lot more people know about me now than they did last year. How much (laughs) Uh, more
1: fun is it when people know? Oh man, you are.
2: It's real cool. I, you know, I'm in my head. There's a lot of things I would change about the first album, but I'm happy I did it because it was like you know i feel like i call things out as serendipitous a lot in life Mm -hmm. but it is funny because that year i at the beginning of the year i was like i feel like i want to retire this set like i feel like i don't want to do it but i didn't want to produce my own comedy album because there's something to having someone be like we're gonna make your comedy album because you're having a company be like yeah we're doing it and also you do less work, you know, like, like there's nothing wrong with producing your own comedy album, but I don't think people understand how much work it is. Like if you thought getting people to come to your show is hard enough, imagine trying to get people to actually buy your album. So, uh, the fact that someone was going to oh, do shit. all that work for me. I, I went
1: like, to uh, Blake Wexler's recording. I still haven't bought it. I need to <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: see. <laughs> see, how so, I, I told you how hard is it to get people to buy them out? You're absolutely right. Yeah. Sorry,
1: Blake. I'll get uh, on it.
2: But, but what's cool too, is that they can put it on way more platforms than you like. Cause I didn't know, like if you put your album on Spotify, you're paying like a basically a annual rental fee so mm-hmm. that it can stay on there. And I was like, "That's uh, that sounds like a lot," <laughs> um, because bec- because my buddy uh, Rocom, who's who he's a rapper and he took his songs off of spotify i was like why'd you do that you know he's like because i had to pay for it to be up there so comedy dynamics is footing that bill and i get to do it on spotify and there was a lot of people who was like where's your album i want to buy it i was like you don't have to you can just listen to it on spotify you know i just you know because i feel like some people are like oh man i can't do it now so i'm gonna hold off till i can i was like no listen to it now hear my jokes
1: um, I you gotta help me out though because When I listen to a comedy album, I'm not thinking about the complexities of the production. All I can think is, like, there's no simpler album to produce. Yeah. Don't you just press record on the board? That's true.
2: But, like, with um, Comedy Dynamics, they mic the mic itself, and they put a lob on you, and they Uh mic the audience. And that actually is goes a lot longer. There's a difference between difference. it sounding like a yeah. county
1: fair and, mm-hmm. and an actual album. Yeah.
2: So that's the one thing that's different. They had a, they sent out the sound guide for me and mm-hmm. he lobbed me up and then I had uh, Binium Bazuna and Brody Reed they opened up for me. It was like such a fun event.
1: How long ago was this?
2: This was uh I recorded the album in like March of last year. Like, okay. Mar- March April either April or May of last year, but and then it came out that November. But it was like that's the other
1: question: Why does it take so long?
2: I don't know. That I didn't know. I was kind of antsy about it. I was like, why is it taking so long? But I think they, as a business, kind of have a slate in their head where mm-hmm. they're like, "This is going to come out this way." But also, what's cool is like. When you go to the comedy dynamics uh, Wikipedia and they list all the people who have an album, like I'm up on there with like Jim Gaffigan and Tiffany Haddish, and I was like, that's cool, I'm on the same record label. And as a big fan of rap, I look at it as like, yeah, we we record buddies, like No Limit Records,
1: yeah, for yeah, comedy. Who are you looking up to? Who are your guys that, that speak to you?
2: Oh man, my guys now, like you know, even or more- girls, or <laughs>
1: yeah. anywhere along the spectrum.
2: <laughs> I know. Oh man, uh, people who I think are super dope right now that i like to check out. I like Mulaney. I like his style, mostly because it feels like he does what he does. Like, Mulaney could very easily try and do what everyone else is trying to do, but it seems like, you know, everyone kind of says he has a Seinfeldian-esque style, but, like, I think... I think it's like that's like if you're being like super, super general in the sense that, you know, he's he has like clean setups and punches and uh, Seinfeld never felt
1: intimidating. Mulaney feels intimidating when I hear him talk.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but like I. Yeah, so I look up. I think he's great. You know, uh Obviously Chappelle, you know, he definitely has his issues. I feel like I need to say that now or people are like, what? But, you know, like just that energy of and Gerard Carmichael, who like that was an interesting person to see blow up because I think that was my first up close witness to a glow up in L.A. Because I came out and I was doing stand up and Gerard Carmichael is one of the nicest people people ever. So, like, every time I'd see him, he'd be like, hey, nice to meet you. And, he, and he, you know, he'd be in and out. He'd be crushing it around town. And then you just, the, his uh, special got announced for HBO. And then he, uh, then he did the Carmichael show. And then I didn't see him because he was just, you know, he's in space now. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah, that was the second one because technically he came before Timothy Chalamet.
1: Now, how do you, how do you keep your patience about you? I mean, I, I, is it safe to assume that you'd like to do an HBO special?
2: Oh yeah, I mean,
1: I, I, how do you, how do you, how do you bite the the branch when, like, how do you keep yourself patient?
2: I think it's just like I was saying earlier, just enjoying the journey. Like it is. It. it I mean. It There are moments where it's easy to get caught up and especially when you're surrounding yourself with so many great people who are doing dope things and you're looking at them doing the yep. dope things and you're like, man, I would want that too and man that. But then like one thing that always kind of centers me is I think back to when I was sitting at the L.A. County Register Recorder in my cubicle wishing like, I wish I didn't have this job. I wish I was just – even if I wasn't book like this is something I told myself before I like quit the job and started the grind. I was like, even if I wasn't booking work, I would love to just not be here and just be auditioning. I wouldn't even need to book anything, but the fact that I was chasing it would make me happy. So when I think back to being there and seeing all I've accomplished and what I'm doing now, it's like, oh yeah, it's it's just part of the grind. And then when you, another thing that kind of censors me is when you look at some of your heroes and see how long they've been grinding out. Like if you look, uh, a Buddy of mine was watching The Office and you have like, and he's watching the last few seasons and you have guys like, Rob Hubel, Rob Corddry, uh, you have Ellie Kemper, Mindy Kaling, uh, Craig Robinson, and you see like all of them doing like kind of those smaller parts for that mm-hmm. one show and seeing where all of them are now, you're like, yeah, it takes time. It's not yeah, going to yeah, be, yeah. it just seems overnight for the people who haven't been paying attention.
1: Yeah. and Ellie Kemper, man, when she showed up on that show, I never would have guessed that she'd hit. As big as she did, not that's yeah. not a slight it was yeah, just yeah. like she's no. so unique that it didn't I was like it didn't occur to me that that could be mainstream yeah. too, and it just it's such a relief to see someone like that go as as big as she did oh yeah um it, cool <laughs> <laughs> what else have we got? I want to know about do you feel like a connection to Nigeria do you I've that,
2: been, that's that's been interesting because it's always felt like a secondary thing. Like it's all, I've always been in it. Like my dad's from Nigeria. He was born and raised out there. He came out here and then I was born. So I'm like the first generation.
1: Is your mom American American or? Uh,
2: My mom's American. She grew up in Louisiana. Okay. So, uh, but the, the, you know, I never learned how to speak Igbo, even though I wanted to speak Igbo, but I've, it's always been like a part of me, but nothing I've really kind of, Dived into until recently, and it's mostly just being kind of like being with my wife and also just meeting other Nigerians uh, in this world because you have, like, you know, so my wife is Argentinian and uh, Jewish, and you and to see how, like,
1: how in, did the Jews end up in Argentina
2: running from the Nazis?
1: Oh, yeah, and that's
2: how the Nazis got there, too. Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so just having like just. Like, when I went back to Buenos Aires with them and seeing how she was able, like, she she was taking me places and she had a connection with certain things she knew. Like, there was just the culture that she kind of embraced and was able to kind of share with me. And, you know, I definitely have that with Naida. Like, I'll take you, you know, down to Manchester and take you to, like, my aunt's Nigerian restaurant. I can show you stuff, but, like, kind of being up on
1: like you got thirsty for heritage
2: yeah kind of i was like and also you know it kind of changes a bit too when you have a kid because you're like oh i need to share my piece of this pie i need to get in touch with that and you know luckily you know i can my dad lives out here he
1: he babysitting yeah, a lot? He, 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 okay. he
2: hasn't been, my mom has been doing a lot of babysitting, but he wants to. He just lives in Corona and dad's not trying to do that drive. Okay. Uh, uh, but yeah, it, there has been this like interest to do because you, you forget that like, I think it wasn't until like I came into LA and uh, I feel like the LA and this industry is so kind of focused on amplifying your identity and really kind of connecting with it you know just like and especially too when you have things like representation people want to shout that out so that Nigerian was just kind of something that that i was but Mm -hmm. i but never really kind of explored and like now i'm like trying to go to like nigerian independence day events and trying to really kind of you know uh, be a, take a bigger part of that, and I think it's one get once again that thing of like growing up because like my dad's always been a part of like the uh, it's a it's an organization called like Enioche Oshimili and uh and Uku which uh, basically raises money and sends it back to Nigeria to build buildings and structures, yep, yep, yep. And, and so like I was like yeah let, let me take a part of that let me do those things.
1: So it's, it's not all arbitrary. I'm not trying to. Yeah. I'm not trying to uh, box you in. as oh, yeah. no, no it's that, not at all. Uh, my wife is is Kenyan, and I ended yeah. up going to Kenya a couple times. Oh, nice. And how'd you like it? It it, it changes like you're yeah. everything to, to the fiber. Like you realize that it, it's a different. Yeah. It, you you know there aren't words. For yeah. It. You've either been there or you haven't yeah. been there. But when you get there, you are like, holy shit, this is this is home. Yeah. In a in a very real sense. Yeah. And and I just wanted to I wanted to hear a little bit about yeah about your, your Ni- Nigerian oh heritage. yeah when I went, I'm thirsty for some yeah, some yeah, heritage I get some,
2: some heritage but yeah I went last time I was in, went to Nigeria it had to be it was like about six years ago it was like right around right before I made the jump and going into like you know acting and all that I went out to Nigeria for my grandmother's funeral with my dad and. Most of my family, and we were out there for two weeks, and uh, it was amazing. It was, it really was eye opening, and also like getting able to see the things that my dad talked about because we went to, you know, his original home, uh, you know, with most. Americans would describe as a village, but I got, I got scolded for calling it a village. But he went to his original home in Oguash, and uh, we walked around and we got to just see where he grew up, where he walked. And then we also got to see things like Lagos, which is like, you know, mm-hmm. what most people would consider heavily developed, you know, and, you know, we were staying in like a nice hotel and driving around and going downtown. And it was it was really cool to see that because I feel like you don't see that just in media like i feel like people are like what surprised people in black panther wasn't necessarily like the afro futuristic tech but like the skyscrapers i was like oh wow look there's a sky it was like there's skyscrapers in africa yes there you are just don't see it on tv <laughs> yeah
1: no you, that's uh, the my was that your first trip out there was for your grandma's funeral Okay. Yeah. So my first trip to, to Kenya was for my wife's mother's funeral. Oh, so. uh, see,
2: that's the, that's how you got to go. You're only allowed to go to Africa when somebody dies. Yep.
1: And nice. on the plane ride home, you're definitely going to be thinking like, I got to get the next thing yeah. phase of the life going. Like yeah. I I don't have any excuse. I've got no reason oh, to yeah. not do these things in life. <laughs> but man, I'll, we we went to where where my wife's mom's house was, and it's like there's there's shanties around it. So I made the mistake of saying that it was like a slum area of yeah. town. And she said, no, 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 we're going to go to the slums tomorrow since you saw it. Oh, that. wow. Yeah. You, you, the, you, the needle moves. Yeah. It, it was, moves far.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's crazy because it is so interesting. Just the distribution of wealth in Africa. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, when we were driving in Nigeria, you would see like basically a mansion. And then right next to the mansion was this kind of house slash shack built out of coca-cola billboards yep and and it is like that interesting question like of like you have this huge mansion and you see this coca-cola billboard house and you're you're not like maybe i should help them out yeah yeah (laughs) you know
1: we've got a ways to go with income disparity in america but um I think we're on a good track. I think we're we're headed. Yeah, maybe we'll see. <laughs> the train's moving fast and forward right now on, yeah. on income despair. Anyway, let's stay away from that if we can. <laughs> let's keep it light tonight. Yeah, yeah. Let's keep it light. So let's talk. Let's talk comedy. How do you how do you get your foot in the door? So you get back from this plane ride and you're th- you're you're kicking off the next phase of your life. How do, what does that oh, yeah. look like? What's the shape?
2: So yeah, What's I came back and first my next phase of life was actually taking my current life more seriously. That was it. So I started because you know. No, so I worked for the LA County Register Recorder, selling birth, death, and marriage certificates, and it was kind of a desk job, and I kind of would just... What
1: do you mean selling birth, death, and marriage certificates? Why would so, you sell them?
2: Oh, well, when you need to get your a copy of your birth, death, or marriage certificate, you have to pay for it. And- oh, but you're not
1: going like door to door. Would you no, like a no. new copy of yeah, your marriage yeah. no, certificate? No, I'm
2: at the building that you would go to to okay. buy it. <laughs> So like, hey you need the, any? I need some
1: death certificates. Doing, doing some upsells, yeah. like we could have the gold press, the oh, silver boss.
2: Yeah, uh, it would be weird seeing people because there were people who would try and upsell death certificates. And be Are like, you kidding?
1: Yeah, they have options on the death certificates. Well, they'd
2: be like, you know, you can you, if you get five because in case you lose one and people and people <laughs> in case you know, lose like, this
1: four. Is this is
2: wild. How do? Why do we need five? Uh, but would you
1: get bonuses for upselling? Oh
2: man. Like, no, are you on commission there or something? No, or, that, that person was just doing it for the love of the sale. The passion. Yeah. But it's so funny the dichotomy of like your day to day as this essentially salesperson and the subject that you're dealing with because, you know, we would have to search records and I'll never forget. I always, I still feel bad about this, but this uh, lady was at, um, at my window to pick up her uh, father's uh, death certificate. But she like, I guess didn't know how her father died. And also I was having the hardest time finding it. So like I'm searching probably for a good 15, 20 minutes. And when I find it, I do the natural human thing. Everyone does when they find it. I was like, Oh, found it. Your dad died this way, and like, how is that the natural? Hero? Well, because the natural thing I is like, you were, I, oh, found it would be. The yeah, natural. well, that's the thing is like, you're found it, and so like, you're so relieved, and you just give the you give the yeah. information that you were searching heroin. For. It was heroin. Yeah, I, and like I said it, and she was like, thank you, and just one tear.
1: Oh my god, you monster! I know. I
2: was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, I'm so sorry, and she was like, no, it's okay, it's okay. I get it, but it was like. Because it was just like the world's kind of mixing and uh, forgetting what I was actually looking for for a second
1: so you could you could like search anything in this job oh
2: yeah uh you, you were able to say like you, we had Tupac's uh, death certificate we had uh uh Michael Jackson's.
1: They um, did you look up the? You uh, don't oh, have yeah, to. You, yeah, you
2: look it up for fun, and then okay. you're just like, all right, cool. Um, and they're pre, they're most of them are public record. Like you oh, okay, can go okay. and like look them up yourselves. Uh, if you go down to like the basement, you can't buy it, but you can like look them up.
1: What about birth certificates and? Yeah, uh, birth certificates and marriage. Did you? Are you able to like look up any secret marriages you, in you, LA
2: um, well You don't have two, to no, give us no, any I can dirt. Give you I'm all just... the dirt. Uh, you so. So there's two types of marriage certificates you have a, a regular marriage certificate and your confidential marriage certificate anyone can look a marriage certificate is public record but a confidential mm-hmm. one is not only the two people married can pull those files and actually. And the people see them. who work
1: in the office yeah. right
2: yeah but we can't give them to anyone so like that sometimes will put people in a predicament because say someone has a confidential marriage certificate uh husband's passed away wife is in the hospital they need proof of the certificate to get the husband's benefits to the wife yeah uh, now they the person even though they're the kids and this is this happened quite often the kid would be trying their child would be trying to get the marriage certificate so that they can prove they were married so that the current uh, spouse in the hospital, could get the benefits, but because it's a confidential marriage, we can't give it to them. And they yeah. have to be uh, given the power of uh, attorney to get it.
1: And if grandma's in a coma or something, then yeah. she can't give the power yeah. of attorney. Mm-hmm. And so, you're making like life or death decisions mm-hmm. in these...
2: So it puts you in a pretty pickle that, that I like got to the point where like I would run that scenario by everyone who asked for a confidential one because it does suck to be like, yeah, nah, we can't help you. Like, you know, it's just because it's like straight up law and, and you know, your boy can't go to jail. But when I got back from Nigeria, I, you know, my cousin, a lot of my cousins were bankers out there. So I was like, and, you know, it was that, in, Nigeria, or in, yeah, in okay. Nigeria. And so, you know, you have that like situation where like when you're visiting it's always interesting when family visits because it's always a vacation for your family but for you it's just like your daily day-to-day so like they would go to work and they would just be so dressed up and dapper to go to work and i was like you know what yeah i'm gonna take that seriously so i started dressing up for work started taking it serious i was even taking like instagram pics of like my outfits and then um
1: cousins can save your life oh yeah but, they get the right ideas in your head. If they're a couple years older and then they plant the right thoughts. Yeah. You're
2: like, let's go. But then I, you know, heard that infamous Mark Marin episode connected the dots. That I was like, I need to be at UCB. And so what I was, which was thinking,
1: the one that, that
2: it was the Donald Glover episode. Okay. And what it was, was he was listing off like all the black, and he was like, not that many black people are doing improv right now. And he was list listing off the black improvisers at UCB. And it was interesting because even though I knew like I was performing in OC, like I was just like, there was just like just a small part of me that was hoping to hear my name said because I was like, I'm doing improv. I'm killing it up here at, at mm-hmm. Stages Theater in Fullerton. And when I didn't, I was like, all right, I have to start doing it. So I like Within, like, the next payday, my paycheck went to a UCB class. I signed up, and at the time, I didn't have a car. And I lived in, uh, there's going to be a lot of information that doesn't make sense. So I'm going to see if I can, like, Google so I can give you the mileage of how far this was. So I lived in... Um,
1: you, want, you want some music while we...
2: Yeah, yeah, you can you can lay down some tracks. So I worked at the Norwalk office of the Register Reporter... in Garden
1: Grove. Shit, man, Sublime ruined that name.
2: Yeah, well, I call it Garbage Grove because it was trash. And then, um, so that alone from Garden Grove is 30 miles without a car. And then I would have to drive... Is this before Uber, or...? This is this was before Uber, and it would be a very expensive Uber. I yeah. was <laughs> taking public transportation, so then from the register, dude, thirty quarter,
1: miles on public transportation is like two hours or yeah. something. It's insane here.
2: Oh yeah, and especially if you're trying to get to work by eight. So I was waking up by five, and then so uh, from the register quarter, I was going to uh, um, let's just say UCB uh, because, and so that was a. 21 mile trip. Yeah. So altogether, that's about 51 miles that I would do on the days I had classes. So I would wake up at five, go to work. I'd have to sneak out of work early because the train that makes it to LA in time for class left at 4:30, and I didn't get off till five. So I would like sneak out 30 minutes early until like my close work homies. Like if they're looking for me, just say I'm in the bathroom or something, hop in the train, go down to LA get into my class. We'd be done uh, at about like 10. So the train stopped running and I would have to take a slew of trains that would take me up to Long Beach and around, basically, it's it, instead of a straight line, a nice curve around the yep, city, yep, and yep. get home at about like 2 to wake up again Lord. at 5 for the next day.
1: Good Lord.
2: But at that time in my life, I loved it. It yeah. was the best day of my life. Even though I knew I had to do all that work, it was the best day of my life because it was the first time I felt like I was doing something that was working towards something I really wanted. So I just banged those out. I pretty much got through the program and I it was the first – yeah, and it was, this had to be in the span of the year because I've been to Del Close Marathon DCM every year that I've been – um since I've started taking UCB classes. So uh, what happened was I eventually started getting auditions because I signed up for Actors Access and LA Casting, and I would call in sick to go to auditions. And eventually I got called in sick too much that I ran out of sick time, but I was still calling in sick mm-hmm. for no pay. But apparently they didn't appreciate that because they suspended me for two weeks for doing that. And the uh, and it was funny because I was like, oh, that's perfect. So now I can just do as many auditions as I want. Of course, those two weeks I got zero auditions.
1: Yep, yep, yep. And
2: then uh so then I came back and I booked a uh a short film called Spinners that was shooting out with uh out in Joshua Tree and I and they were gonna need me for a week.
1: I'm gonna tell you something my screenwriter te- screenwriting teacher told me in college. He said, and this is almost a direct quote Yeah g- g- girls without legs. Guys love them. They're called spinners. (laughs) What? That's wild. Now, is this what your film was about? No, it was. Okay, because I cannot hear the word spinners without thinking about him telling me that.
2: Yeah, no, spinners is about these sign spinners in this. Oh, okay. Much more wholesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was like sign spinners out in the like desert California area who kind of are, you know, low, uh, like, you know, Middle class, lower middle class, poor kids, and they get bullied at school. And, um, and one of the guy, one of the kids wants to buy a gun to get back at the bullies, and it leads to an altercation, uh, during the gun sale. And I did that short film, and they needed me for a week. And
1: was it I, paid or was it?
2: It was, it was paid. Okay. And then, uh, at, at the end of and then the the following week was DCM where I was gonna be gone from Thursday till Monday. So I knew I didn't have the time. But in my head I was like, Well, this is a sag short film. Uh so I should, I'll have my SAG card and then I'll be auditioning like crazy, which one wasn't true because it was a SAG ultra low budget, which doesn't give you uh yep, yep, SAG. Yep. And two, uh, that's just not how it works at all. <laughs> but I just, so I just quit my job and, uh, quit but my job. But you're
1: gilded now? Huh? Are you SAG now?
2: Oh yeah. Okay. And SAG, Writer's Guild, you know, the works. Uh, your boy made it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you're allowed to have made it. You yeah. do not have to walk that back. But but actually it was DCM first because I was gone I left for DCM came back and then I went to the desert and it was the best experience of my life still one of the coolest uh, things I got to do and you know met uh, someone who blew up and turned into this insane sensation.
1: Wait, who did you meet on the short?
2: I was I was lead and the um, the other lead was Timothy Chalamet.
1: I don't know who that
2: is. Have you seen Call Me by Your Name? I have not. Have you seen Ladybird? I have not. Uh, we'll be cutting all of this yeah. out.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, so so that was so that was cool, but it, it was crazy because like the biggest thing he'd done at the time mm-hmm was uh
1: for the record I've been out of country for the last 10 yeah. years okay. I'm catching up I'm I'm yeah. doing everything I can to catch up on pop culture but
2: the biggest thing he did at the time he was in Homeland he was in a season of Homeland Okay that one I know Yeah and he was the kind of bratty kid senator's son who okay. like crashed the car and I was like oh and I just got done watching Homeland so I was like oh that's crazy and then after that he did Interstellar and so I was like oh shit <laughs> Okay and then he then after that it was history um but so I do that and so I come back from that feeling good and I don't have a job, but I kind of have like a, a, a good, a decent amount of money because I was able to take my pension. They, they pay you, you're yep, able to yep, yep. take that out. And that was like roughly around 10 grand. Um, the problem being is I recently took like a payday loan out for like five grand and, um, used it for the down, uh, the, the deposit for the apartment that I got in L.A. And so that was cool. But what was weird was it um, was I wasn't necessarily planning any way to make money. Like in mm. my head, I was like, oh, I booked this short and then I'm just going to keep auditioning. booking shorts. Yeah. I'll, I'll get one yeah. every month. Exactly. So so I'm sitting there just biding my time, burning through that pension racking up you know my credit card and you're and then, still going
1: to ucb classes mm-hmm. okay
2: oh yeah so ucb i was pretty much finished with what i was doing and at this point i was a intern at ucb so i was having free classes so that was an expense i did not have to worry about
1: oh, okay okay that's good
2: but i was yeah i was just kind of sitting uh, on my ass expecting for the next thing to pop and it wasn't until like my um me and my ex broke up, so we had to move out the place. And I kind of need, like, I was, I was like, okay, I need a place, but I also need a job because this is like the last of my of my uh, income. <laughs> is this house? I mean, is the is this like pension that's running out to pay for yet another deposit? And. What ended up happening is I started working for the Improv, the Hollywood Improv, as a door guy, and so that was my first job when I came to my senses. And
1: so, wait—is this your daughter's mom that you broke up with at this point? No,
2: this is my. uh, This was just my ex, and I broke up with her. And this is when I got with my daughter's mom. Okay,
1: now y'all still together? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I got big questions and Mm -hmm. small ones. Let's go small. Okay. What do those one-on-one classes look like? I mean, what are you you learning in the early stages of improv?
2: I mean, the earlier stages, you're kind of just learning just kind of, it feels like, and this is trying to go off of five years of memory, but back when I was doing it, it was like being comfortable doing improv, walking up, kind of yes-anding, really learning that philosophy, which was funny because like, the my first the first time I heard about UCB and I was like I the first time I heard about UCB I went to their site went to their frequently asked questions and went straight to like how do I perform here they're like improvisers can perform here by taking our classes and I'm like classes whatever I don't need that at this point I was like I got to do these classes Donald Glover yeah. told me too so I so I didn't even <laughs> the care. voice of God yeah I was like I didn't even care like if it felt basic but I felt. Even at the time I was saying, I feel like I was still learning a lot because it was kind of just rebuilding the foundation of improv, especially because my improv background was short form. Like it was not long form. Uh, So like yes anding and all that kind of listening and building that up.
1: And you're doing stand-up sets at the same time, at this uh, point, or at not At this yet? time,
2: I am, but I'm doing, like, just small, What small, are they, like, they're giving shows. you five minutes or ten yeah, minutes? Yeah, like, three to five minutes. I'm open
1: mic anything. nights, or? Uh,
2: yeah, here and there. Okay. But not really hitting it as hard as I, once I got, I think it was until I got to the improv, got around that stand-up energy that I started going hard at stand-up. And I guess this is that point that we're discussing now, but, mm-hmm. like, during one hundred and one, before that, uh, no, I was just kind of like balancing everything out. Like I was doing stand up, but it wasn't as frequent as I should be. It yeah, wasn't yeah. really my main focus at the time.
1: You consider yourself a stand up or not really?
2: I considered myself a stand up first.
1: Okay, even like, today,
2: even even today now. back then, I was an improviser first. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like I found more success. With uh, stand-up and just kind of, I loved it, ended up loving it more and working on it more. And then I have the freedom to do it where, like, improv, you need a team and you need to be involved in the community. You need to be taking classes. And once I got to the point where I wasn't really taking classes, I feel like felt like I started separating from the community a bit. Yeah, yeah. And just doing my thing with white women, so...
1: Well, we haven't talked at all about white women on yeah. Mike. What's a, would you introduce that idea?
2: Yeah, yeah, because uh, white women comes into play. I feel like if we're talking about working at the Improv, I think a few months from that. So break break up with my ex. The, the, I think the bubblings of white women started. No, white women started because. I was kind of venting about being single and probably bringing up Aurora, my wife, to Ryan at the – because what happened was I was at the gym with my buddy Ryan, Ryan Haley. He used to be an improviser. And he – we were working out and I was saying how I would love to be doing more uh, with improv and love to be on more teams. And he was like, oh, well – there's a they're trying to I know they're trying to start an all black team and You need to be on. And that afternoon is when he did the faithful email mm-hmm. where he emailed them. But it had me CC publicly on it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I was attached to the email. and They're like, all right. And I feel like if it was done any other way, I would not have been on that yeah, team because yeah. they didn't know me. So it was because of that, like, brash move. I've met some of my now best friends.
1: Who's who's on White women?
2: We have Carl uh, Tart, uh, Zeke Nicholson, uh, Lamar Woods, Ishmael Saheed, and uh, Ronnie Adrian.
1: I got a big question. Let's do one. Okay. Of those. Yeah, yeah. What makes funny funny?
2: Oh man, I think it really does have to be with relatability. Uh, I think when someone doesn't get a joke or a joke doesn't really land, it's because they can't see where it's coming from. Whereas, like, it does... I mean, improv is all about Relatability, And I think that's why callbacks are so strong, just whether it's stand up or improv, because it's the inside joke the audience has with everyone. So and I think everyone likes to feel included. We as humans want to feel like we're in a community. So if you can create that small moment of community in your set when you're referencing this thing that only everyone in the room remembers, you get that that's, big pop.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is I, I go to the improv shows and, you know. Somebody's in the audience. They, you know, they're doing the questions at the beginning. All we need is a little bit of information, and we'll weave a web of comedy gold for you. And somebody says Taco Bell, and then thirty minutes later, one of the improvers will mention Taco Bell, and it gets a laugh. Oh yeah! And I'm like thinking that's cheating, but then I'm thinking like, no, that's actually. There's no such thing as cheating. If the room's laughing, then you're you're doing your job. Oh yeah. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) My my main talent is steamrolling any conversation.
2: Please do steamroll me.
1: Um. So what? What's next? What have you got cooking?
2: Oh man, what I got cooking? Well, I'm at Buzz, are you
1: ever going to be another dad?
2: Uh, I don't know. That, that that one's still in in the air because I feel like. I feel like if I had a like job job mm-hmm. if I was a banker or something I could be like yeah I'm having a kid you know I'll just uh plan for it, make sure I ask my boss for that promotion yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah but but it's like we'll see how it goes you know I might you know sell a movie and it was like let's knock you up one more time yeah, we're, while we're while we're right having pregnant couplets yeah Uh, but yeah, no, I like right now I'm happy with just one and Naomi's great and adventure. So yeah.
1: Don't worry. I'm not, I'm not pressuring you. I
2: know you, I know my wife sent you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, She's been Uh, asking. You're inside. Hold on. Let me text her. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Please. Oh, you don't know the thing. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, you just did something that was completely foreign to me. I
1: forget that I have to explain what's happening on this program to people. So, uh, when you ring the bell, you pull a thing out, and oh, then we do right. that that thing. And at any point, you can ring the bell. At any point in this conversation, you could have rung rung the bell, and we oh, would have wow. stopped talking about yeah. whatever we were talking about.
2: Didn't know I didn't know the rules.
1: I am a terrible host. <laughs>
2: What are some of your favorite films in the sci-fi genre? Oh, my Ooh, gosh. That's a good that? one because I, I, uh, I love sci-fi a lot. One, one, I think, first off and foremost, is I really do enjoy Interstellar. I know people can be wishy-washy about it. But I really love the way it explores the passage of time, Mm -hmm. space travel, and just like the relationship, that heart wrenching relationship of a father basically outliving his daughter. Like, you know, you you get you get all of that in one. And it was and it showed an earth that I think we're eventually going to get to. And and it just there was no explanation needed. It was just like, no, we're just we're at this point. The Earth is out of resources, yep. and we have to do this thing that we are—I mean, I think every day we're thinking about, like, oh, man, what are we going to do when we're out of resources? So it explores that in a fun way, and we get to really explore just—I like the the robot <laughs> technology of that one boxy thing. That,
1: the, yeah. that was a cool— yeah, Design
2: the different worlds that they built, like the completely water world and um,
1: water world. Now, there's a sci fi no, film no. I can get behind,
2: yeah. But they, the, I still listen to the uh, soundtrack song from that scene because one, it was just a amazing feat just in filmmaking because the orc the orchestral sounds were kind of moving with the mm-hmm. waves it hits you like a wave yep, yep, and yep. just like it was such a suspenseful moment when you can see the wave kind of curling in front of you and you're like we have to get out of here it was it was great i
1: Half the screenwriters in LA who are typing right now are listening to the Interstellar soundtrack, I guarantee you. (laughs) Such a good soundtrack. And those who aren't are either listening to Dark Knight or Fury Road. Yeah.
2: Well, Hans Zimmer is amazing. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) there's that. Um.
1: Can any I, other films? Any other sci-fi? It's funny? to think. You?
2: Uh, well, I finally got around to seeing 2001: uh, A Space Odyssey. What do you
1: mean? You finally got around? That was yeah, one that of was the one best. It's amazing. Yeah, I missed
2: it. And Did I got you see to, it at
1: the ArcLight?
2: I got to see it at the Egyptian on a printed new film, and I took a, a like a weed candy and was stoned. And I, I look. I know a lot of stoners <laughs> are like, "You gotta see X movie, stone. You just won't believe it." You gotta see Odyssey, Space Odyssey, Stone, and it has to be in a theater. If it's on TV, just watch it right because the way
1: (laughs) your prescription is very specific. Yeah, yeah, there's
2: only like other than that, you might as well just watch it normally. But there was something about like the scene where they uh, where he has to repair um, the part of the ship Mm -hmm. and the sound is just him breathing. Yep. Yep. I was so stoned that I couldn't help but breathe at the same pace, which made it more intense. And I was like on the edge of my seat and it really did make it way more suspenseful than I think I would have experienced it. Otherwise.
1: Did you see gravity stoned? Uh, No, I did not see gravity at all. No. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's in one the one. In theaters, it it yeah. doesn't work on home video, but no, in the theater it worked heard. beautifully. Okay. It looks so cheesy on video, oh, but in the theater I was I I felt like I didn't breathe the entire time I was watching okay. it.
2: I definitely need to see it. There, the, there are like lots of films that like kind of came and went and then I'm just like, "All right.
1: There's so many blind spots." It's all blind spots at yeah, this point. Did you
2: see blind spotting?
1: No, is that is a your movie Blind even? spot.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, good the Lord. The guys
2: from uh Hamilton made that. Are you uh, kidding? Yeah.
1: Do you do characters?
2: No, not really. Okay. I mean, the characters I do are just the ones in my stand-up, mm-hmm. which are my dad, which is a Nigerian accent, the mm-hmm. gluten-free gangster, which is like kind of like a thug accent. But I need to lean into that more, because I feel like if I do get that call to do the audition, I'm going to need to do a very voices and character-heavy uh, set.
1: Do you, uh, you want to reload on Hot Water? Mm-hmm.
2: That was cool for now.
1: Okay does the direction do it more black still happen or is that oh, winding man. down it's winding. Or do they try down. to find different ways to not say yeah. it it's winding down
2: it, it but there are but i think mostly it, it it's the right like if you get the the specific role like there has been like if you do like one of those like thugs mansion three type gigs that's when you're gonna get that direction because like you think like oh man
1: who's writing this it's white people
2: <laughs> and they're gonna yep. be the ones asking you to do it more black
1: and uh, i'm I'm only asking because in japan do it more black is like the, the a regular
2: oh wow yeah yeah was, that's that's what i was gonna say you you're uh you got a lot of uh
1: Oh, my roommate too, he was living in Japan oh, as well. Nice. That's how we met over there and then ended up coming like, back. Let's
2: here. go let's go back to America. Let's
1: see what happens in LA. Yeah. Oh, my turn.
2: Ooh.
1: What's the most what's the worst morning you've ever had? Oh, you must man. Getting up at five every day, there must have been at least one where you didn't make the bus or the train no, or the... getting
2: up early isn't isn't that bad for me. That's never a pain. I think the worst morning usually has to do with drinking because I hate, and that's why I like. That's why I personally really like um, smoking weed because mm-hmm. there's that you don't have that you know the worst you get is like I'm still a little stone and I'm groggy versus like you you are sick when you threw it. And the worst morning I could think of is it, it was worse because it on two scales, how my body was feeling and remembering the shit I was doing the night before and felt bad. So this was when I was like, you know, a fresh 21 mm-hmm. with my sister I went to some party. It was this house party. And I really loved that song Candy by Snoop Dogg because I was really into the hyphen movement at the time.
1: I was hoping that you were gonna say that you like candy by Nick Carter.
2: Oh man, I, I thought you were gonna think I thought you were gonna think that I was gonna say Candy by Cameo. With Just
1: so like many candy. options. <laughs> <laughs> I think we we could keep workshop in this if you. Yeah, know. yeah, we could just beaten be out. Google candies. Yeah, and see how many
2: songs. But yeah, no, it was this song, and I loved it because I was real into the hyphy movement. And this in, in my drunk brain, um, I was like, this is the song that's gonna get this party started because it was one of those parties where everyone's just chilling and talking, no one was dancing. Mm-hmm. I was like, and I walked up to the boombox and I was like, when I play this song everyone's going to start dancing. So it would play and I'd be dancing. I was dancing, but like maybe one or two people would start dancing and no one would. So I just kept restarting the
1: song. Perfect solution. That. <laughs> That's what everybody loves at a party. Yeah. I think it was like, one drunk. guy played yeah, the same song yeah. when I louder and louder. Song, when I start this
2: song, everybody going to be turned up. And like, I really did get to the point where I was like, guys, when I start this,
1: we need to turn up. And can was, I hire you to DJ my party. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I just need uh uh, a a tape one deck. mp3 <laughs> just a tape deck I'm going to rewind and play it it's just going to be that awkward moment where you just hear the tape running like nope. hope you're ready bet you can't guess what this next one's going to be but yeah and that I, I was doomed by a dude who was trashed and I was kind of taking it easy and he storms in and he was like What's up, man? And I was like, "What up?" He was like, "You tight." And he hands me a whole bottle of Belvedere, and uh, I take a sip, and I was like, "Oh, this is the smooth." So he
1: was on board for the candy thing. Uh, well, no, this is before the candy. Oh, thing. This
2: okay, is when okay, I okay. Sober, trying oh, to keep okay. a low pro. So now I have a bottle of Belvedere, and I'm mixing and drinking, and I'm loving it. And it's called also like Belvy is a is a good alcohol, and yeah, this is yeah. like, and we're twenty, so like no one's like pop and Bellevue bottles like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: now I'm like that dude too. So I think that was the the problem was I had the perfect mix of alcohol and unearned confidence yep, yep, uh, yep. to now be like, oh, I'm going to get this party started. The ladies are coming to me because they want my alcohol. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, that happened. Nothing, not, it, it never got started. And then eventually somebody, somebody was like, <laughs> get away from the radio <laughs> get a, like i got kicked off the tubes and I of course I, so i got i went outside and then the next thing i remember is waking up the next day and my dad at this at this age was still forcing me to go to church with him in the morning so then i puked in the church bathroom uh a few like times like a good
1: heathen. and
2: then My we this was at the time I was living out in Lake Elsinore, which was uh, in uh, near Corona, and so like you're also near a lot of casinos. So we went to like the Pachanga buffet, which normally which sucked because like I was geeked to be going to the uh, casino buffet, but I couldn't eat. The only thing I was able to eat was watermelon, and my dad was like. Why aren't you eating? And I was like, ah, you know, I just want this watermelon. You know, because I was still underage. So I couldn't be like, I'm term. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. Uh, yeah, I was puking so much. So that was the worst morning, I think.
1: That's a good one. You want a thing? Let me move this closer yeah. to you so you at least have the option. There you go. Pull pull your choice. <laughs> uh, this
2: one is popping out. And what I, does it say? I see the words and I'm like, I'm interested. What's the sexiest thing you've had to do on a set? Oh, we,
1: oh, I've had my fingers crossed that we'd pull that one all day.
2: Oh, the sexiest thing I, I had to do was on
1: show set. up. Um,
2: I, there's there's there's,
1: there's uh, you didn't even take my joke. That's yeah, yeah, no, I, no, I let that <laughs> get out of like, here.
2: <laughs> um,
1: the, you're the professional. I'll shut my mouth and ask the questions. I think the
2: sexiest thing I had to do was a sex scene and it wasn't even like, it, but it was funny because it was like a, a sex scene with someone who I knew and was a friend of mine and it wasn't even like, a, like trying to be like a pervy thing or anything like that but it was so interesting because it seems like so like oh this is the, this is the, you know because when you're growing up, you know, the concept of a sex scene and someone doing it, you're like
1: what's that all about? It must yeah, be yeah. weird,
2: but really it's just like no, you're There's just a lot acting. of
1: mechanics involved. Yeah, it's, you're
2: acting. It's not you're nothing's really sexy about it, but like the idea of it. yeah. Is yeah. still like, ooh. And um I remember uh Well,
1: I when went, you're young, like the idea of guaranteed makeout time is such a such a distant specter. Yeah. And that this, that it could be promised to you at a oh, certain yeah. point in your day. Yeah, no. I
2: and I think the first uh the first time I've ever had to like kiss on camera was when I did uh, comedy bang, bang. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was so funny because they did the thing you're
1: talking the show or the, the TV show or the, the TV show. Okay. when
2: it was on IFC and I, we were the summer crew and it was kind of like this breakfast club esque. you know, the summer crew because everyone went on vacation and I was like data JavaScript who was this tech guy who was into doing lights. And, uh, um, oh my gosh, I, hold on. I'm going to let you cut this out while I uh, search the name of Jordan. Jordan Hearn. Uh, Jordan Hearn, who was the stoner of um, who liked getting stoned and cleaning. And I and I was the guy who likes doing lights and was uh, uh, so <laughs> I was stuck cleaning and he was stuck doing lights. And they and it was it was like a fun thing uh like, a f- whole fun set. And then then um, then we, then I had to do a kissing scene with one of the, the actresses, uh, Zoe Jarman. And it was funny because, like, the director was low-key trying to give her a cop-out. She was just like, you know, because in the script it was like, they, they, like uh, ki- they kiss. And they're like, you know, and you don't have to do it. And Scott... Scott was like, "No. <laughs> you have to kiss. It's in the script." he's like, "That's that's that's what we act for. Uh that's so we can kiss other people." And it was like a real funny moment. Um but it was it was weird to kiss on command. And then I had to do that another time where I had a kissing scene. And it's and like like to be like, "All right, action, kiss." Yeah. Cut. Action, kiss again. Like you feel like when kids play with their Barbie doll, yeah, yeah, your yeah, yeah, hands yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like it's like, all right, like we we did it. Like we had to kiss like five or six times, and then like it never made the cut anyway. <laughs> and I was like, that's Hollywood, baby. And it was funny because I, I like I told my now wife, but then girlfriend, at the time, I was like, just so you know, I'll be kissing another woman in this show. So don't. And she was like, yeah, no, that's that's acting. I was like, all right, but I don't want you to.
1: Is your if wife it, in entertainment, or is she...
2: Yeah, she is, She's uh, she does VO now, but, like, she's done the whole, like, went to acting school and all that stuff.
1: Now, I got questions about, about the Comedy Bang Bang show, if I may. Yeah. Were you involved in the writing process of your episode? Because it all... Like, those no. episodes feel like half and half...
2: Oh, yeah. No, it was... It, I mean, like, you know, as, like and improvise there was like a little room to like improvise and do your own stuff but like at the time i think i just kind of kept it close to the script because like scott ackerman was like scott ackerman was like my comedy hero and i didn't want to like fuck up or seem like i was taking advantage of of script time but in you know i've acted long enough to know where it's like yeah no you want to give them a few extra takes so they can Mm -hmm. have something to go and they'll tell you to pull back when you need to pull back and stick to the script
1: cool hey what's next i'm gonna go for one of yours is this one of yours wait that to get already where are yours what come on yeah what is something you do that you think everyone should be doing that's a good question yeah that, that what is, a good is some, what is something that you sir do regularly
2: Oh, man, I think uh, this is going to sound so meat heady and cheesy, but go to the gym. Even if it's like, you don't even have to lift, but even if it's just you run and, on the treadmill or something. Are but, we cool
1: if I do a 4K run every yeah, day? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Keep yeah. going.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah there's just something to just kind of stepping out of your world and stepping into the gym world Mm -hmm. and doing a physical activity while you either listen to a podcast or music and zone out and just kind of have a moment with yourselves and and even sometimes when i'm lifting there's a moment where like i look at look me in my own eyes in the mirror you just kind of like get into this zone and just yep, yep. zen out. And I guess you can meditate too. I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be the gym, but I do think there's some some physical activity that that just allows you to kind of train yourself, but also just put labor on you that isn't stress. You know, I feel like there is a stress that comes with physical activity, but like when you're doing it on purpose <laughs> for the betterment of yourself, it's like different.
1: I'm going to I'm going to take yours and run with it a little bit and make it more specific for uh, writers. Mm-hmm. What I do uh, when I go to sleep is I remember every puzzle I've had that I'm working on and whatever I'm writing. Yeah. Sleep through the night, alarm goes off and that's when I take off on my 4K run, put the headphones on, listen to the music, trust that my brain has untangled 90% of the yeah. puzzles while I was sleeping oh, nice. and then I'm going to get the next 10% as I'm listening to the music. And going forward and kind of feeling the air, feeling. It's amazing. If you don't do it, you forget that you have a body. Yeah. And when you work, when you do exercising, you feel your body. It's a really, like when you think, you can think and you can feel your brain. And you can feel how your brain moves and how it it processes information. It's very fun. So I agree with you. Oh, 100%. Everyone should do what... You said.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, just fault? to add on one more fun writer exercise since, you know, if writers are perking up, it's like, oh, I'm listening. You write? Well, oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's what I wrote for At Midnight. I wrote for You Can okay. Do Better on uh, True TV, Black Card Revoked on BET, um, currently uh r- r- working on some stuff with white women. I'll keep it that way. It, it's always that weird stuff when you're like in, in the... Kind of limbo of show deal works stuff, and you don't know what you can talk about. But yeah, I'm a writer. Uh,
1: now, when you're working with the troupe, do you got, do you all just in general? I don't. We don't need to speak specifically no, 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 on on, on your troupe. But do you do you kind of keep it? Do you have team meetings where you're like, we need to have a couple of series that we can be ready to pitch if anybody comes up and says, "What have you guys got?" That
2: was like the early stuff. So when we when we first started getting so why when we started as an improv group. Then we moved to shooting sketches. And then we, as like, we got good at both of those things, we started getting an approach for stuff. We got, uh, we were able to shoot a couple of sketches for Comedy Central's YouTube. We got, we were able to shoot uh, sketches for funnier or Die. And then we were able to uh, shoot sketches for funnier Die's Go90 platform milk. So in those situations, they were kind of, we were able to, because we got into the habit of, uh, deciding to have writers' meetings on a weekly basis where we would pitch out sketches and then choose one to make. So what was cool about that is if your sketch didn't get picked, you just kind of kept it and maybe you would polish up your pitch yep, and then yep, come yep, back yep. with it. But then what made it cool was when we got to the point where these companies were approaching us, all of our sketches that weren't unpitched, I mean, that all of our sketches that weren't picked, we would just put them put the log lines down, and give them to these companies, and they'd be like, we want this, this, and this, this. Uh, everyone on the team is writing, they're working in some capacity now, so we don't do it weekly. Lamar's writing for single parents, Carl's writing for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Zeke is writing for AP Bio, uh, Ishmael's acting on Cousins for Life. So, like, we don't do the monthly thing, but before that, we when we noticed that they wanted log lines for these sketches, we all kind of made log lines and small beat pitches of shows that we thought would fit all of us and everyone kind of contribute to it. And then we decided we were going to like split off and do more with it, but and write like pitch docs. And a few of us did that. And then eventually what it came down to is we just ended up pitching a show that was just about us, um, and I'll, I'll stop there because I feel like okay that, we don't and, we don't have to get into yeah, specifics. No, no, uh, no, it's fine. It's not because I don't have a problem talking about it.
1: It's, no, it's I don't want to. I don't want to blow it NDA on. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, uh,
2: Um But but I, yeah, I think it's safe to say, like publicly, that the show we ended up pitching wasn't like a a premise based or like high concept. It was just like us, okay. know, just being regular dudes.
1: So there's still like a. You know, growing up, there was the, the kids in the hall, or the mm-hmm. what was the the state or something. Yeah, are they still doing shows like that where they pick an improv troupe or comedy troupe and like here's six episodes, give us something.
2: I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that they still wanted like a pitch, and you know, I think it was just kind of getting like the pitch we were doing and pitching that, but to an extent, I do feel like a lot of, I mean, before we land at this and a lot of meetings we had with a lot of uh you know production companies before we started working with the ones that we did was a lot of like send us some log lines and then you know and and it was funny because at first they were asking then we got to phone where it was like we'll send you some log lines you tell us the ones you like and then we'll see you know if we can work something out from there
1: and when you're doing improv like sometimes when i'm watching watching the teams uh weave their web of comedy gold Uh, It it feels like some of that stuff might end up being a sketch eventually. Like sometimes they they hit on something that feels like a solid three to five minute build with an arc. I mean, that's how often do you guys pull those? uh,
2: We we've done that uh, once or twice uh, with those sketches, and we've okay. That's a
1: lot less than I would have guessed. Yeah,
2: yeah, because I think we just were already writing sketches. Yeah, yeah. But we always kind of. Knew that would be a good idea, especially since Carl comes from Second City, and that's how they write their sketches—is they pull their sketches from improv. Uh, but we just kind of always were also writing, so yeah. it kind of that would always beat out like maybe we should tackle this thing that came up.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I got this other idea yeah. that I really want to do. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's do one or two more dings. I can't watch a man yawn like that and keep him ho- keep him away <laughs> from his family we got to get you out of here. Wait, it's your turn. What am I doing? Oh, let see. Oh, but yeah, I, you
2: what would be the title of your autobiography?
1: Yeah, come on. Oh, man. I think... You've been dodging this question the yeah, whole interview. whole time. Uh,
2: I think it'll probably be My Great Journey. And the only reason I'd do that is because I... Because uh, my whole name is Ifishikude Ijeoma Mwariwe. Ifishikude means destiny and Ijeoma means journey. So, I guess Destined Journey would be there. In that way, I'd, it'd seem like I'm deep because I'm just using the meanings of my
1: name. That's still cool. I mean, yeah. what, what if you're not going to maximize the name you were given, then <laughs> why, why are we even here yeah, at all? Exactly. I'm going to do one for you. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> what, was it? <laughs> what was it? This is okay. This has been a this has been a, a bit of a point of controversy in our listening audience. Um, this one is uh, I can't even read it on there. Movie Mad Libs. So my father, my darling father, who I love very very much, he emailed me saying I should do movie Mad Libs. Yeah, I have no idea what that means. Oh, yeah, do you? Me, me either. So okay. Should we try to improv something up in honor of my father? Yeah, you, yeah want to you know, especially out for does? your
2: dad. I'll hold it down. Uh, I, I imagine...
1: Okay, what that, are we doing? This is it, listeners. You have heard Movie Mad Libs get rejected at least half a dozen times right, by now. This is, this is, this this is the how night, and this is how we're going out.
2: All right. This is it. So for Movie Mad Libs, you're going to give me a... Uh, I'm going to Google a movie title. Then I'm going to pull out the the, like... Ad, mad Lib points of mm-hmm. it, like the nouns and all that. And then you're going to give me. That. Okay. And then I'm going to say the title and then I'm going to.
1: But with my pitch. wacky things. Yeah. And
2: I'm going to pitch your movie. Uh, oh,
1: okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. So let me do movie titles. Okay. So give me a job and a place.
1: A job and a place. A uh, job. Um, sewage maintenance plant worker, okay. and a place. <laughs> we're not going sewage maintenance plant. Don't worry. Okay. Uh We're gonna go. Uh, oh, the the Russian tea room near uh, and, and next to Central Park.
2: Okay. Uh, the sewage with well, the the sewage janitor.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the,
2: the sewage janitor of the Russian Tea Park <laughs> across from uh Central Park The Russian Tea House yeah yeah, yeah The Russian Tea the, the, <laughs> the sewage manager the sewage manager of the Russian Tea House across from Central Park is a story about one man who he's a he's you know he's your usual blue collar man he's he's out there just trying to make a quick dollar just trying to you know make his day to day he doesn't mm-hmm. really have a family don't really knows where he comes from but you know he, one day he gets a tip and it's a pretty big tip and he decides, why not, why not treat himself? So he decides to go to, uh, to Central Park because, you know, he's, he's been cleaning up that tea house for so long. He's like, let me let me go to Central Park. I'm gonna grab a hot dog. Unfortunately, this is the day the aliens attack. And so now uh, not only have the aliens abducted the hot dog stand after he paid, so it's not like he can go to another hot dog stand, he now has to retrieve that hot dog stand to get his both hot dog. And possibly money back because, you know,
1: abducted this hot This is a dogs, very tight right. budget he's on. <laughs> that yeah, yeah. one tip allows him yeah. a hot dog, but yeah, yeah. there's no second hot dog yeah, in his month. Yeah, there's no
2: second in a hot dog. It's done. He's living a humble life, you know, but he also does live in New York. Uh so uh so now he's he's fighting aliens in the park and the and he actually ends up going up there getting hired as the sewage manager for the aliens. But what he doesn't know... Now, am
1: I trying to be guessing what this movie is originally? Or am I just enjoying the pitch? No, no, you're just
2: enjoying the pitch. Cool, that's much easier. Hopefully, after I'm done, you're just going to give me the money to make it. Okay.
1: Uh,
2: (laughs) uh, But yeah, so, uh, you know, eventually uh, he finds love and his and and his alien wife and her you know she was also like you know a single mom alien so you know she's been having trouble finding a man because aliens ain't shit so eventually they find love he becomes a great stepdad and he goes to space and he doesn't he doesn't have to worry about spending tips on hot dogs
1: i wanted the scene where the little alien says like and the subtitle says you're not my real dad
2: yeah 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 he's like I know, I'm not here that's that's going to be the that's going to be like that Oscar moment when he's sitting in the sun Dan he was like I'm not here to replace your dad. I don't, <laughs> I don't even have the same amount of tentacles as you. So that would be a hard job anyway. But you know what? I've been cleaning lots of teacups, toilets and all the above. And I'm ready to clean up your life. Oh. Yeah, that, that's probably how the trailer ends.
1: That's probably,
2: <laughs> yeah, probably I bet times to dollars. Yeah, that's how the trailer ends.
1: All right, that was a hell of a pitch. Yeah, yeah. Can I ask what the original movie was?
2: Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Oh, okay, okay, that makes yeah. way, way more sense. I was thinking Independence Day. <laughs> uh, all right, let me let me let me see what I can cook up for you. What do you do to search movie titles?
2: Yeah, just movie titles. Uh, oddly enough, Google just plops out a whole bunch of movie titles.
1: All right. Give me a noun. All right. Wait, no, hold on. I'm not very good at mad libs, barely I meant to say a verb. All right. A uh, man's name. All right. And, um, you know, uh, either an, an, an animal. Running Tom Tiger. All right. So there's this fella. <laughs> Great stuff! I know how to pitch him. I pitch the ceiling when I get started. <laughs> he's named Tom Tiger, and he lives um, deep, 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 deeper in the forest than you've ever seen. In fact, he's so deep in the forest he's underground. The forest he lives in a cave, which he had to reclaim from a family of bears. It's a common story in, in Tom yeah, Tiger's yeah, yeah. world. Oh yeah, um, wouldn't you know it? The bears are tired of sleeping outside of the cave, and they want inside of the cave. Um. So they need to get Tom Tiger. Uh, here's another thing I forgot to mention. This Tom Tiger is actually the mayor of of uh, this forest. Oh, okay. Uh That's why he. Uh, that's why he felt like he was entitled to the cave. Okay, that makes. Sense. So the bears set up this very uh, intricate plot to make it look like uh, Tom Tiger um, murdered Penelope. What's a what's a what's an animal that starts with P? Uh,
2: um.
1: Piranha, piranha, piranha! Uh, a land animal would have been good. But, yeah, um, piranha legs, because P- Penelope. So he, uh, to murder P- Penelope, piranha legs is is a. Uh, she's the the local bombshell. She, movies, the yeah. stage star of whatever, everything. So the it, um, the bears make it look like Tom Tiger has has killed Penelope Piranha Legs um, in a brutal, brutal murder, a trail of blood, like her entrails go right back to the cave uh, with a little bit of piranha leg hanging out of his, his mouth. And the rest of this story is, is, uh, Tom Tiger, uh, fleeing first fleeing, but then realizing you can't run away from your problems. You have to, you have to, um, if you're going to be the mayor of the jungle, you gotta, you gotta, uh, hit these things head on. He, Uh, man's up tigers up, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, eventually it manages to, to, uh, prove his innocence. And, uh, you know what? We'll just throw this in there that, that they used a fake body of Penelope. She was oh. just tied up in the bear. Oh, okay. Nice the bear. plot twist. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I can't, I, I don't want to see Penelope Piranha legs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. All
2: right.
1: Take that kind of abuse.
2: Backpedaling during your own pitch. Okay. I like
1: it. No, it's a twist ending. Yeah, it's okay. a reveal. You, right. Okay. You, you kill her. You kill Penelope <laughs> Piranha legs. You want her. that on your shoulders? Look, hey, you got
2: to do a lot of things in Hollywood to make it work.
1: Okay, Okay. having a heart disqualifies me from L.A. <laughs> cool.
2: Yeah, it does.
1: All right. You good? Yeah. Any idea what that film was? Oh, no. What was it? Uh, who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, turned into who, who ran Tom Tiger uh-huh. out of town? All right. Let's wind down. Are we good? Yeah. All right. I just want to say a sincere thank you for listening to the Hollywood Fishbowl. I've been Jesse Kester, and I will continue to be Jesse Kester as long as I live. If you like what you heard, you can find us on Instagram at HWFishBowl or on Twitter at HWFishBowl. If neither of those cut the mustard for you, I'd say go over to the internet. www.hollywoodfishbowl.com will do you perfectly, but it's not about us. It's about our guest, Ify, where can people find you?
2: Uh, You can find me at IfyWideway. I have Y N W A D I W E on Twitter and Instagram and you can find me on Twitch at IfDs you can listen to my two podcasts Candy Dinner, which drops on Mondays Candy Dinner with Matt Niffy and, and Nerdificent, which drops Tuesdays and yes, definitely give the dailies like I said, listen and I pop in from time to time and lots of other fun people it be a good time
1: yeah We've still got 20 seconds left of music. Anything else you want to plug? Um, uh, any, I, I know another place that you can find you is backstage at UCB. Yeah,
2: backstage at UCB. You can check out, if you're in the LA area, you can go see Your Token Friend with White Women. It's every second Friday at UCB Sunset at 1030. It's a good time, I promise.